And three, two, one. Keep it in. Keep it in, Dave. to another episode of the Houdat Jedi podcast. Um, as always, from various points in the greater New Orleans area, I'm Aaron and I'm joined by Dave and Fredo. Hi, guys. Hello. Hi. And it's, uh, man, first of all, first of all, shout out um, that uh, tomorrow is a very special day. It's Alfredo's birthday. So Yay. happy, Thank happy you. birthday from all of us to you. We wish it was our birthday so we could party too. Hey, anyway, um, uh, do, do you dare say how old you're going to be? Yeah, I'm going to be the big four, four. Oh, cool. Well, my birthday's on Saturday and I turn 48. Do the math real quick. Yes. 48. Yep. <laughs> so, um, uh, but you know, and I, when's, when's the next time does, uh, does Mardi Gras ever land on your birthday? Uh, it's like 2037. Oh, really? Yeah. Mine, when I turn 51 is the next time that Mardi Gras is on my birthday. So, cool. um, so yeah, I, I love this podcast because I end up feeling like the young one. <laughs> yeah, I know. I'm the old get off my lawn guy. Um, and a big shout out to Dave because the yesterday he sent me a message and said, hey, found this. Here's a link for Nintendo Switch. And it is the original donkey kong not the nes like repackaged reconfigured not all the levels donkey kong but like the original donkey kong and so i was like nine bucks man i can't even you know you can't even get out of you know a, i went to subway and it was more than that so i'm like yeah donkey kong please and my wife came out and she said, you're not playing Donkey Kong? I was like, well, I started getting really bad, so I have to had to stop <laughs> so I didn't get mad at Donkey Kong. Um, so, yeah, I was like, conveyor belts. I haven't played conveyor belts forever, so I was, I was so excited. So, happy birthday, and thank you for Donkey Kong. Um, so, anything else going on this week for the good of the order? Fredo just got done with the big meeting, so he's, he's probably going to be swearing through this whole thing. And... Um, <laughs> But tonight we have uh, we have uh, kind of a, taking a different twist because remember if you if you're a longtime listener, <clears throat> first time caller, whatever. If you're a longtime listener, you know that we we started this just we uh, with it wasn't going to be just a Star Wars podcast, but it's kind of become mainly a Star Wars podcast um, because you know the Disney Plus stuff and um, with the Mandalorian coming out, it was just a good opportunity to jump into podcast land and start talking about things. And uh, so tonight, actually, we're going to go back to the Marvel universe, and we're going to be talking about WandaVision, um, which is a new Disney Plus series. There are five episodes in, and we figured we just, we're halfway through this, the, the season, so we're just going to talk about the, kind of the madness that is that uh, series. Um, but... As we are going to start off, though, we do have some news. So there is some Star Wars stuff. So if, if you're a star, only a Star Wars fan, don't turn it off. So we're going to talk Star Wars right now. Kick it to Fredo with the news. Okay, so first things actually, speaking of birthdays, uh, we had a couple of big Star Wars birthdays. This uh, just happened within the last week. 
first of all, on February 3rd, Warwick Davis celebrated his 51st birthday. Everybody. Uh, and then uh, just yesterday, uh, happy birthday to one and only Mr. John Williams, 89 years young. Oh, my God. Yeah, and that about gave me a heart attack. I mean, I literally gasped because it was like I opened up Twitter and the first thing I see is John Williams is trending. And it I was like, that's when I realized, I, first, I, I thought he I thought he was dead. You know, I mean, when you see an old celebrity trending, it's like, that's the first thing you go to. And like I told mm-hmm. both of you, I, I realized I am not ready for that one. I'm not I mean, ready just, for that one. Just later in the day, Christopher Plummer passed away on his name when he was trending. And you're like, so that's what you're trained to expect. Not happy birthday, but I'm, I'm glad it was for that. Which, which reminds me, I still love this when I was at, <clears throat> pardon me, Celebration 2. And the guy, the guy who played uh, Uncle Owen in A New Hope, he was there signing autographs. He's really, really old. And at one point, I walked by his table, and he was laying down on the ground, just out cold, with a sign on him that said "Not dead, just sleeping." <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, but anyway, yeah. So, happy birthday, John Williams. But yeah, I about had heart failure over that one. So, you and know, Mark Davis reminds me of an interesting story, or at least interesting to me, wherein somebody was at. Um, this was after Carrie Fisher died, and somebody was gauging my response to that, and it was it was tough. But I said, you know, what'll be for me is when John Williams passes, because it was just like so, you know, such a fan. Like and his work is so important to me, and the, <laughs> the reaction was like, "Dear Lord, no." That's not allowed to happen. It's like when somebody starts speculating about like Betty White or somebody, yeah. you know, it's like, no, no, no. I mean, we got to be fair. John Williams from 75. I mean, I was going to say through now, but really the, the, the peak of, of his, you know, prowess, whatever, you know, he scored Jaws, Star Wars, Close Encounters of the Third Kind, Superman, uh, Raiders of the Lost Ark. E.T., you know, his music was, and I think I've said this before, was the soundtrack to every 70s and 80s kids' dreams and fantasies. When you play with a lightsaber, you had in your mind John Williams' music. When you pretended to be Superman, you did it with, you know, you did John Williams' music. So even, and even through the 90s with Jurassic Park, the 2000s with Harry Potter, I mean, the impact that he's had on several generations of just movie fans, genre fans. It's just, it's impossible to understate. Yeah, and imagine, try to imagine the the Star Wars saga without his music. You can't. You know, it's, yeah. It's kind of like the, the family guy thing where he says, oh, great. Now we got to do this thing with, uh, oh, who was Danny it? Elfman. Danny, Danny Elfman. Elfman. Yeah, we said, what? Oh, no, you go ahead. That's just going to say, Uncle Owen, Peru, John Williams, and yeah. the whole <laughs> him and the Liberty of the London Symphony Orchestra is dead and burned. Oh, great. Now we got to finish this with Danny Elfman. Yeah. And it goes, Danny Elfman just it was yeah. perfect. So, uh, yeah. Well, thank God it was just his birthday. Um, so somebody put John Williams in the bubble. Anyway. Uh, next bit of news. Actually, the, the less of the other bits of news this week have been all about nominations for awards because it's kicking up to be award season so 
The Mandalorian was nominated for Best Television Series uh, in both the Golden Globes, so the uh, foreign, the Hollywood Foreign Press nominated them, as well as the Writers Guild of America for their awards nominated uh, The Mandalorian for Best Drama Series. Ludwig Gordonson was nominated for an outstanding for outstanding score for TV production from the Society of Composers and Lyricists. And then the Screen Actors Guild nominated the Mandalorian Stunt Team for Best Stunt Ensemble in a Comedy Drama Series for the SAG Award. So it's, I imagine it's just starting now, but it's only going to continue on through that the way that the last season of Mandalorian hit both critically as well as commercially is just going to get recognized like crazy everywhere. Yeah, and, and that's and that's interesting because I'm just sitting here thinking that the thought that popped in my mind is like, is it that good of a show? You you know what I mean? That's or mm-hmm. is it or is it the is it just so much in the zeitgeist that we gotta nominate it for things? You know, and that's and I'm not I'm not leaning one way or the other. I'm not saying that I don't like it. I'm not saying it's not deserving or anything like that. But that's just the thing that pops in my head is like, well, any any award show, it's like what what makes that movie better than this movie over here but of course that's the layman you know i'm not in the you know the making of movies business you know so um so, so, so just to tell you what the other shows that it's nominated against for in the golden globe so it's now one of five with mandalorian alongside the netflix the crown hbo's lovecraft country uh netflix ozark and ratchet which i'm not sure which streaming service it's on so so it's uh it's interesting that they are recognizing, first of all, streaming services are where the biggest shows are now, and genre sci-fi horror is what's getting, and historical stuff is what's getting recognized right now. So uh, there may be a recognition that maybe the last year was a bit different, and you know, stuff like The Mandalorian was doing new and different things. Well, you know, and that's the thing is unpopular opinion, and don't at me, but I'm gonna say a, I'm gonna say a hard truth here. Um, you know, one of the biggest we've, and we've talked about it before, I'd like to see, you know, Star Wars start getting awards beyond special effects. Um, but let's, let's face it, you know, a new hope, um, is not a new story. It is not really all that well written. It's not really all that well acted. Um, but it was such a, a new retelling of, you know, the hero's journey and just a breakthrough in special effects. That's why it's, it's, you know, but I mean, when you, when it comes down, it's not going to win best drama. It's not going to win best actor. It's not going to win best actress. It just isn't, you know, um, but uh, slight tangent here. Just we're talking about new hope. We had a new hope episode where we, we were like, this was a near disaster, this movie. Yeah. <laughs> and it's, I'm just, you got me thinking about that right now, talk, talking about some of the acting issues and some of the other issues. I encourage people to go back and listen to that if they haven't. But uh, yeah, you know, it's, I, I really think that we're, we're kind of rounding a corner at this point in terms of the, um, streaming shows being and streaming movies being recognized as basically more on par with the stuff that you see in theaters and you see um, on regular TV at this point, if not better in some cases. And I think Mandalorian wouldn't work on network television. We've talked about the format and how the episodes vary in length and how it would have been, 
I think it would have been kind of tricky with some of those episodes to kind of cram them into a half hour or uh, or <laughs> stretch them out to an hour if they needed to. You know, it's like I like that they have the creative freedom to just make the episode as long as the story dictates. Mm-hmm. And, and, uh, and to kind of jump off of that point, Dave, I think one of the things that we're seeing it's right now. I mean, I'm just right now with the sequel trilogy and the Mandalorian. These are the creators that grew up in the shadow of Star Wars. They grew up with Star Wars as an influence, and not just you know whether it's uh, Ryan Johnson or J.J. Abrams, Dave Filoni, uh, whether it's you know Gareth Edwards, all of these guys and also people like you know women like Deborah Chow and Patty Jenkins, they grew up with Star Wars. Star Wars is what popped in their heads and you know populated their dreams. And so to me it's interesting that we in some ways we might be getting to a point where we get the Star Wars products or projects that are gonna be nominated for best drama that might get best picture nominations because you're gonna have creators like Taika Waititi who already won an Oscar working on a Star Wars movie. Or, Good. you know, you're going to get creative forces who know how to do drama, who know how to do action, but they're going to want to do it within the Star Wars framework. And I think that's that's what excites me and intrigues me more because it's going to be jumping away from what we know, but it's also going to still carry that torch of it being Star Wars. That is, that is the benefit to to like getting away from the Skywalker trilogy and like the handcuffs in a way that like you have to do it a certain way and it has to tie into all the other movies and you have to do this and that. And we talked about how the Mandalorian is just such a drastic departure when when it started out. Um, it's telling a different kind of story, a more um, human focused drama which is just very, very micro in scope as opposed to macro and the galaxy affecting. And this is more le- less of that. And that frees you to do so much different things, so many different things. This is, it's, it's going to just sort of like, if you're talking about award season, <laughs> that's a natural byproduct of that, the, that, that they have this freedom and that they're giving their directors the ability to just tell different kinds of stories. Right on. Yeah. So, well said. So, yeah, that's it in terms of news for this week. All right. Well, it's, well, let's move on to trivia then, but not Star Wars trivia. What? So, dun, dun, dun. Uh, so Dave, Dave and Fredo are going to go head to head on uh, Marvel Cinematic Universe uh, trivia. So one trivia question for each Marvel Cinematic Universe movie. All right. Okay. So, um, so I don't know who wants to go first. But it's well, tomorrow's Fredo's birthday, so he gets to go first. How about that? Okay. All right. That'll so work. and and. Uh, see, the reason I'm not playing is because I took this quiz already. So, yeah, so, uh, and, uh, but anyway, but if I, if I know that you get the answer wrong, then I'll give it to the other person to steal and we will, we'll see who comes out on top. So, all right. So, Fredo, Iron Man, what song plays at the beginning of the movie? Is it Iron Man by Black Sabbath, Back in Black by ACDC, Ordinary World by Duran Duran, or Stairway to Heaven by Led Zeppelin? 
I almost wanted to say Duran Duran, but no, it's Back in Black by ACDC. It is Back in Black by ACDC. All right. So Fredo won Dave nothing, but it's Dave's question. The Incredible Hulk. What does Tony tell Thaddeus Ross at the end of the film? That he wants to study the Hulk? That he knows about S.H.I.E.L.D.? That they're putting a team together? That Thaddeus owes him money? That they're putting a team together. Correct. They are putting a team together. All right, you're tied one-to-one. All right, Fredo, Iron Man 2. What fake name does Natasha use when she first meets Tony? Is it Natalie Rushman? Uh, Natalia Romanoff, Nicole Rohan, or Naya Robbie? Natalie Rushman. Correct. It is Natalie Rushman. All right. Two to one, Fredo. All right, Dave. Thor. What does Thor want another of when he's in the diner? A slice of pie, a piece of toast, a stack of pancakes, or a cup of coffee? A cup of coffee. And we're tied two to two. All right. Man, you guys are whipping through these. All right, Fredo. Captain America, the first Avenger. Where does Peggy tell Steve she wants to meet him for a dance before he plunges into the ice? The Cotton Club, the Stork Club, the Copacabana, or El Morocco? I want to say the Cotton Club. Dave, do you have a counter answer? The Stork Club, El Morocco, or the Copacabana? Mm. I I really don't know. Yeah, the Stork Club. Oh, there's his guess, and he gets it. So, you're what you're up now, three to two. Is that right? You guys are gonna have to keep track of this. I'm gonna start losing track. All right. <laughs> um, so, Dave, this is your question. The Avengers. Natasha remarks to Clint that the Battle of New York is a lot like what? Their time in Budapest, their time in Prague, their time in Istanbul, or their time in uh, Sokovia? Their time in Budapest. That is correct. Their time in Budapest. Fredo, Iron Man 3. You're getting all the Iron Man questions. Um, What is the name of the little boy Tony befriends while stranded? Is it Harry, Henry, Harley, or Holden? Jeez. Okay, this is, yeah. I'm going to go with Harry because I have no idea. Dave, do you have a counter answer? Henry, Harley, or Harley? It is Harley. Jeez. I haven't seen Iron Man 3 in a long time. All right. So now, Dave, your question Thor, the Dark World. Where do Sif and Volstag hide the reality stone at the end of the movie? And. I'm not going to give you the multiple choice. <laughs> yeah, because come on. it's uh, They hide it with the collector. That is correct. That is correct. They hide it with the collector. The other options on here was on Vormir, in a vault on Asgard, or inside Sif's sword. All right. Um, Fredo, Captain America, the Winter Soldier. Where does the Winter Soldier say after... Oh, sorry. What does the Winter Soldier say after Steve recognizes him for the first time? Who's Bucky? He says, who the was Bucky? Yes, sir. Mm-hmm. All right. Dave, Guardians of the Galaxy. What were the three items Rocket claims he needs in order to escape the prison? All right, I won't make you guess this one. Is it 
a security guard, a fork, and an ankle monitor, a security band, a battery, and a prosthetic leg, a pair of binoculars, a detonator, and a prosthetic leg, a knife, cable wires, and Peter's mixtape. I think it was the second one. A security band, a battery, and a prosthetic leg? Yeah. That is correct. That is correct. They, they try to throw you by giving you two options with the prosthetic leg. That's the one. <laughs> That's the key item, you see. Um, Fredo, the Age of Ultron. Uh, what word does Tony utter that makes Steve say language? McClunky. <laughs> there you go. I was just going to say we're going to have to McClunky this one, but there we go. It is. And Kate's answer is not on here, but uh, um, <laughs> um, all right. Dave, Ant-Man, what animal does Darren Cross unsuccessfully shrink? Is it a mouse, a sheep, a duck, or a hamster? A sheep. It is a sheep. All right. And Fredo, Captain America Civil War, who isn't on Iron Man's team? Vision, Hawkeye, Black Widow, or Black Panther? I believe that was Hawkeye. You would believe correctly. And... We're at this. We're almost done. Dave, Doctor Strange. What type of doctor is Stephen Strange? No multiple choice on this one. Oh goodness. Um. He's either he's like a neurosurgeon or a trauma surgeon or some mix thereof. Oh, you're gonna have to choose one of those two. One, oh, yeah? one of those answers is correct. Um, I'm going to say neurosurgeon. Oh, you chose correctly. All right. You chose wisely. Um, Fredo, Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2. Finish this line. I'm blank, y'all. Superman, Underdog, Peter Pan, Mary Poppins. I'm Mary Poppins, y'all. It is Mary Poppins. And Spider-Man Homecoming, Dave. Who does Stan Lee appear as? A guy who Spider-Man helps cross the street, a neighbor who is disturbed by a car alarm, Peter's upstairs neighbor, or a guy who works at a hot dog cart? I think it was a neighbor who was disturbed. That is correct. And now, Fredo, Thor, Ragnarok, what is Valkyrie's scrapper number? Three, sixteen, one forty-two, or two thirty-two. I want to say it's one forty-two. That is correct. All right. Wow. Nice, Dave. Black Panther. What do Killmonger and Klaw steal from the uh, or Claw? Sorry, from the Museum of Great Britain. Just vibranium, vibranium and a mask, a map of Wakanda, or a map of Wakanda and vibranium. Vibranium and a mask. You are correct. And Infinity War, Fredo, what elective class did Thor take on Asgard? Learning to speak Groot. Groot, hammer making, learning to fly a spaceship, or how to care for rabbits? Learning to speak Groot. Learning to speak Groot is correct. Ant-Man and the Wasp. Dave, Scott hid the old Ant-Man suit underneath a trophy. What did the trophy say? World's greatest dad, world's greatest aunt, world's greatest grandma, or world's greatest superhero? 
I kind of feel like there was a gag, so I'm going to say world's greatest ant. Fredo, do you have a counter answer? Is it dad, superhero, or grandma? I'm going to go with dad. It is grandma. It is grandma. Wow. So Aaron gets one point. Uh, and <laughs> Captain Marvel, which this gets into our uh, WandaVision discussion here in a little bit. Uh, what mm -hmm. is Carol's nickname for Monica? And this is, is, uh, it, this is uh, Fredo's question. So. Mm -hmm. And I'm not, not I'm not gonna give not, you any multiple choice. It's like for Monica, not Maria. So for Monica. Uh, trouble. Say it again. Trouble. Uh, I will give you credit for that. It's Lieutenant Trouble. Lieutenant but, Trouble. Yep. Um, and endgame, Dave. We have uh, what is Natasha's final line before she sacrifices herself on Vormir? Let me go. It's okay. Tell everyone I uh, and or Clint. Um, just a guess. It's okay. That is correct. And our last one, Fredo, Spider-Man: Far From Home. What necklace does Peter buy for MJ? A Black Dahlia necklace, a Saint Christopher necklace, an NYC Skyline necklace, or a Black Sunflower necklace? Uh, Black Dahlia necklace. That is correct. All right. Cool, cool. There's our thank you for playing our uh, uh, MCU trivia. Like I said, sprung it on you guys. That you didn't have any idea it was coming. That was fun. Yay. All right. So uh, our discussion for tonight, WandaVision. Um, and I really don't have any predetermined questions. I just want three of us to kind of talk this out. But, so the, but the first question I am going to ask is just after uh, – before we uh, get into a synopsis, a synopsis of the uh, five episodes that have aired so far, uh, what was your first reaction after episode one and episode two? Um, just initial reaction. Dave, you first. What was? I, I know what mine was. I don't know what I turned and said to my wife, but Dave, I want to hear yours first. What was your first reaction? Um. It has potential. It's it's fine. But, but I hear but some not, but I hear some hesitancy yeah. in there. Yeah, yeah. It I I just thought that it hadn't gotten much of anywhere. Um I thought that they had done a really good job of sort of building this new universe for us. Um and I was really really sort of ready for it to, to move forward. After after the first two episodes, Fredo, what was your initial reaction? Much, uh, I want to say much the same. I mean, you could totally tell kind of where they were going towards, what they were aiming at, uh, the motifs of borrowing TV sitcom tropes from each episode, the decade that each episode represents, obviously, uh, and kind of putting Wanda and Division in those into you know moments was kind of cute but at the same time you know kind of like Dave towards the end particularly towards the end of episode two I'm like okay we need to get this moving along because clearly we know that these characters don't belong in this something so there's a mystery underneath let's get on let's get it going so the first time I you know when I, we started seeing clips you know and trailers for this and 
I was looking at this like it really it, it looked like I mean the way they promoted this it looked like they were just going to be doing you know sitcom parodies through the years and I was like this can't be what this is going to be about really and then you know you start you know Britt and I started reading a little bit more about it I was like okay there's a bigger story here but then after those first two episodes it seemed like that's exactly what they were going to do because it was almost it was like oh, okay this better not be what this is about that was mine you know I, I had an mm-hmm. idea like I, I thought this was going someplace else but it seems like we're stuck in just remakeville but then it like it it it, it then so people if you're if you're wondering if you should be watching WandaVision don't let the first two episodes scare you is I guess what we're saying because it does then I think gain some traction did so episode three four and five did you feel better about where things are going yeah I think so well you know because all of a sudden you could start telling kind of what they wanted you know you could almost see like things were now moving like you've established a mystery with the first two but now there's action within and you get to introduce the rest of the cast and you get to kind of get looped in on the mystery aspect of the show. Dave, you start feeling better. Uh, Yeah. I echo all of that. I mean, uh, it was, I liked the motifs. I like what they were trying to do with it in the first couple of episodes, but I was very much ready to learn more about what was really going on. You know, it's like this, it's like, this is not what's actually occurring. They're not just suddenly in a sitcom. Um, and so the more they peel back kind of the layers of the onion, uh, the more interested I become because it's like, okay, well, that answers that question, but I now I have 10 more. So, so here's where we got to remember where we left off. Um, Vision is killed. Spoiler alert. Sorry. <laughs> Vision is killed in Infinity War, right? And yeah. so uh, he's, he's dead, dead. He doesn't, you know, when the snap happens in, you know, Endgame to bring everybody back, he doesn't come back because he wasn't done, done away by the snap from Thanos. So this takes place after Endgame and we have Vision alive and well. So we know something is up. Something is more than up. Um, so that's that's thrown some people for a loop, I think, who started watching this. Um, but yeah, so let's just uh, let's talk about episode one here for a second. Let me. Uh, OK, so this is a, a synopsis I found. Newlywed couple Wanda and Vision. Yes, they're married now. Move into the town of Westview in a 1950s setting. Despite Vision being an android and Wanda having telekinesis and uh, reality warping abilities they attempt to blend in one day they notice a heart drawn on their calendar but neither can remember what occasion it is while vision goes to his job at computational services incorporated wanda decides that that the heart represents their anniversary their neighbor agnes introduces herself to wanda and helps her prepare to celebrate that night vision amazes his co-workers with his speed but is unsure what his company actually does he is reminded that he and wanda are hosting his boss mr hart and his wife for dinner that night which is what the heart represents wanda and vision struggle to hide their abilities while making a last minute dinner for the hearts while interrogating wanda and vision mr hart chokes on his food and vision uses his abilities to save him all of this takes place in the fictional sitcom wandavision which someone is watching on a television 
and we'll talk about the commercials that are in these uh, as we go along. So, um, so yeah, there's your first episode, 1950s, and that is a synopsis. I mean, like I said, that was like, I remember after watching that episode, I was like, seriously, this is what we're at? But the one part of it that was really interesting was when Mrs. Hart was reacting to her husband choking. Mm-hmm. And it's like all of a sudden this fun, lighthearted, you know, mm-hmm. sitcom that you were watching this, you know, this, uh, you know, Dick Van Dyke show remake got tons serious real quick and uncomfortable. You guys, I yeah. Mean, I, yeah. And, and, and I think that's kind of what tells you that. I mean, obviously it tells you that there's something wrong, something going on, even before you get to the final scene uh, where you see the TV kind of showing um the footage of the sitcom it's the idea that wait a minute we know again we know that we know these characters but even though they're in the 1950s sitcom setting clearly there's something else going on because the characters are asking questions that normally characters in a sitcom wouldn't like they're not engaging in a way that a particular you know particular 1950s sitcoms which are very traditional and very you know punch counterpunch set up joke kind of thing uh this doesn't this isn't like that you know particularly so when you see the sort of the fourth wall breaking it's very startling because it does it in a way that's almost almost plays like a horror movie for a moment it does at that moment at that moment it does um so there was again in all of these episodes except for one there's a commercial that happens part way through and this commercial happened to be a commercial for a for the Toastmate 2000 toaster oven by made by Stark Industries. So we get a callback to um, Stark Howard Stark. Uh, we get uh, it's and it's about a, a toaster. So mm-hmm. um, yeah, we'll talk about these commercials a little bit more as we go. Let's synopsis for episode two because that was the one they released both of them on the same day so now we're in the 60s um wanda and vision hear strange noises outside their house they prepare their magic act for a neighborhood talent show wanda and agnes spend the day with the show's planning committee led by dotty and vision attends a neighborhood watch meeting where he accidentally swallows some chewing gum wanda befriends another neighbor uh, geraldine and notices more strange things, a yellow and red toy helicopter in their black and white world, a voice on the radio that seems to be speaking to her, uh, and a red blood stain. Thanks to the gum caught in the eternal mecha- in his internal mechanisms, Vision appears to be intoxicated at the talent show and publicly, re- publicly reveals his abilities. Wanda uses her own abilities to make this look like simple magic tricks and fixes Vision by removing the gum. Uh, they return home and Wanda becomes visibly pregnant. Uh, when they see a strange beekeeper emerging from a manhole in the street, Wanda resets the reality before the figure appears. Uh, the setting then becomes colorful as it changes to the 1970s. So some, yeah, some weird stuff in this movie, especially all the for the children you know, they're doing a fundraiser for the children. But do you notice what you don't, uh, and this is given away the last episode, or the fifth episode, but um, you never see Look. any kids in Westview. Right. This is where they start dropping some hints this episode. 
Um, you have that. You have um, the incident with the blood on the hand, which I think I have a theory about that we can talk about later. Um, you have the the there's certain logos that start appearing. Well, in you this see, episode. we can just say but, it that you see the sword logo. So right. Do you guys want to say what so so what sword is? And because this is a, for MCU people, you know, or you know, Marvel people, they know what sword is. But just go ahead. What is what is sword? Go ahead. No, it's, it's essentially a version of shield. It's different. It's a different entity altogether. But it's kind of the same concept. It's a, this organization that is. Its purpose is to sort of unite. Um, mount a united defense, but it's more focused on uh, outer space rather than earthbound threats. Yeah, basically that's it. It's a, the, it's a, you know, it's a, forget the way the word for, you know, when you shorten a letter word an uh, title, an acronym, thank you. It's a, it stands for Sentient World Observation and Response Department. And basically, yeah, it's the Earth space version of S.H.I.E.L.D. So, Shield focuses on terrorism, counterterrorism, uh, threats in uh, on Earth. Sword focuses on threats from outer space. So now the commercial that happens in this episode is a commercial um, advertising Strucker watches, and that <laughs> Which... name Strucker um, was a Hydra, the Hydra dude that was responsible for uh, basically making Wanda. And um, her brother and Quicksilver, right? Yep. yep. Wanda and her brother uh, Pietro, who were test subjects of Baron Strucker, we meet him at the start of uh, Age of Ultron. You know, he's the guy who's got the staff. He's got the little monocle mm -hmm. uh, in Sokovia, and uh, don't think he lasts long beyond that movie. I think Ultron kills him, but again, calls back to um, to Wanda's past. So, and Dave's got some theories about the, the blood. We're going to come back to that here in a little bit because uh, I just want to get through the next uh, little um, synopsis. That's episode three, now in color. Um, in the 1970s setting, Dr. Nielsen checks on Wanda's pregnancy and says that she's four months along and everything is fine before leaving for an intended holiday with his wife. While Vision sees Nielsen out, he sees his neighbor Herb unknowingly cut through their wall with a hedge trimmer type thing. Uh, Wanda and Vision paint a nursery while debating what to name the child before Wanda's pregnancy ele uh, elevates to six months. When she begins contractions, her abilities begin to move things in the house and eventually shut down the entire town's power. Geraldine arrives and helps Wanda deliver twins Tommy and Billy. Uh, Vision catches Agnes and Herb gossiping outside. They talk about Geraldine, who has just arrived in town and does not have a home or family. Inside, Wanda interrogates Geraldine after the latter reveals that she knows Ultron killed Wanda's twin brother, Pietro. Uh, ah, I'm sp spit it out. Pietro. Um, Wanda notices that Geraldine is wearing a pendant with a sword emblem on it. When Vision returns, Geraldine is gone. Outside of Westview, Geraldine is cast out from a wall of static and is surrounded by sword agents. And the commercial during this program was for Hydra Soak bath powder. <laughs> Hydra, yeah. Yeah, uh, Hydra. So initial initial reactions to this. Again, this is where you talk about the fourth wall. This is where the fourth wall literally breaks down. Um, yeah. You know, because uh, Geraldine 
starts to all of a sudden she references Ultron and which sets Wanda off. Um, and, uh, then at the end of the episode we see, and it's really cool what they do. I like what they did with the aspect ratio when, when it, mm-hmm. when she gets chucked out and you know, it goes to the, cause I remember I asked Brit, I said, something up with our TV. Did something break? I mean, because all of a sudden it was, you know, I, I just noticed it was a box instead of, you know, the regular, you know, landscape type of a thing. But, um, anyway, uh, yeah, so we had like a lot of fourth wall breaking down here. What do you guys think of this episode? I think this is the episode where kind of things kind of begin to kind of kick off and come together, so to speak. Because if I mean before you kind of suggest you know suspect that things are not right, now you're playing with time, you're playing with development of you know, you know her gestation period, pregnancy period goes from oh you're doing fine four months, and then by that. The end of the episode, she's giving birth to twins. It's like, what the heck? And you now Vision's noticing stuff that's not work. You know that shouldn't be happening. Even more so now. And, and then, of course, it all leads to that big confrontation. And the neighbors between... are seeming mm-hmm. really weird too. Mm-hmm, like mm-hmm. we're starting to get the, you know, is, I know something you don't know, or what should I know? Type of interaction between Vision and the neighbors. And I may have a hypothesis about that when we get to the end, but. You know, yeah, Dave, what did you think about this episode? Yeah, no, I mean, like, this was the first episode that we uh, we had to wait for, I guess, because we saw the first two episodes, then we saw the third episode. Um, and, you know, it's like that weekly wait. And, like, I think, like, you know, it's funny, is there, a lot of people talk about that and, be, and having a problem with that. And I, I that was one of the things that struck me about it how much i enjoy that i really like having to wait a week because then you get to talk about it you get to you know come up with these theories about what's going on who are we going to see next what you know where are we headed with all this and um kind of this slow burn of the series um really sort of took hold here and i um i appreciate that about it now uh mm-hmm. people were people are geeking out over the hydra soak commercial because in uh, agents of shield when uh colson well, well when they're all in the framework colson talks about how hydra is um basically mind control with soap they're giving them soap that has you know can give them false memories and stuff like that so he started making his own soap um i don't know do you guys see a different reason for having hydra soak as a commercial or is that theory that you're latching onto as well not necessarily a theory. I mean, I would discount or, or the callback that they're going for but, here. But I think that's what that's what the callback is to. It's calling back to that episode of Agent Shield. I mean, one thing Marvel's better at than anybody else is kind of circling back around and making something that seemed trivial and minor in one moment kind of take on bigger significance later on. So, and that's exactly what I was going to say. You guys got me kind of geeked out over Marvel. You know, this summer. <laughs> And that is one thing I will say is that Marvel is genius at, you know, putting the Easter eggs, the connections from one movie or series to another. They're very mm-hmm. methodical and purposeful. And it's like Colesby has talked about. It's not really fan servicey. It's, mm-hmm. you know, it, it makes the moment more meaningful. Um, yeah, it, it doesn't call attention to itself. If, if you are a fan and you know you get it, cool. 
if you didn't get it, it doesn't take away from your enjoyment. So Dave, do you see another reference for Hydra Soak? No, I mean, like, uh, I don't know, like, I have I kind of in the same boat where I, I have an overarching thought on the commercials themselves. I've, I've heard a little theory here as well. Yeah. The, the next episode does not have a commercial in it, just so you know. But anyway, it's We Interrupt This Program is what episode four is. And it's Captain Monica Rambo. If you remember from our trivia game here a little bit, that was Lieutenant Trouble, Captain Marvel. It was um, Maria Rambo's daughter um, in Captain Marvel. She is an agent of S.W.O.R.D. And she returns to life following the blip to find her mother Maria has died of cancer. Now, some people call the snap, the blip. What else? What are the other things they call it? Uh, yeah, well, it's, yeah, yeah. No, I thought... <laughs> What'd you the say? Dust is one. The dusting, yeah. yeah. So anyway, she's she's actually returning from, so this is after, you know, uh, the Hulk. Endgame. The, yeah, an endgame when the Hulk blips everybody back to find that her mother Maria has died of cancer. Three weeks later, Monica returns to work and is sent by acting director Tyler Hayward to help FBI agent Jimmy Wu with a missing persons case in Westview, New Jersey. They discover a hexagonal, a hexagonal static CMBR field surrounding the town, which Monica is pulled into. Within 24 hours, S.W.O.R.D. establishes a base around the town and sends drones and an agent in to investigate. Dr. Darcy Lewis studies the phenomena and discovers broadcast signals for the sitcom WandaVision. They use uh, these to observe events inside the town, learning that real residents have been cast in the sitcom and seeing Monica appear as Geraldine. Darcy and Jimmy unsuccessfully attempt to use the radio to contact Wanda. Uh, when Wanda mentions Ultron, Wanda casts her out of the town. The sitcom illusion disappears and Wanda sees Vision appear as he did when he died. Horrified, she restores the illusion. So we have a couple things that are going on here. First of all, we're going, basically we're going back in time. We're explaining what happened in the first three episodes. Um, but we have a bunch of uh, cameos, really. Um, now, I haven't seen Ant-Man and Wasp yet, but I've learned Jimmy Woo is in that uh, in that movie. Um, also, Darcy Lewis is from Thor. Um, and... Uh, Tyler Hayward is a name that we should know as well. Hayward, at least the name Hayward, I believe from, is that from a shield episode or from shield or is that from something else? Um, anyway. Um, so we actually see how, you know, Geraldine or Monica Rambo got into the, uh, into Wanda's show. Um, it's basically explaining to the audience what the heck is going on. I, you know, and um, this is important context to understand um, it's where also... Monica comes from. Yeah, go ahead. I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah, no, it's um, if you don't remember, it was Captain Marvel. You know, it was uh, she was the little girl in that movie, uh, and her mother was um, um, Maria, right? Mm -hmm. uh, and uh, 
and uh, kind of the the lady who helped Captain Marvel in that movie, and um, and so she, obviously Captain Marvel made a big impression on her because she followed her mother into a career uh, working within the military and you know the governmental complex, so to speak. So uh, that's important context. And then, like you said, you're introducing these other characters too, uh, Jimmy Woo and uh, Darcy. Uh, and, you know, it's nice little moments with them, too. It's like some of these characters uh, didn't really get a chance to breathe in, in these other uh, pieces of work. Um, Darcy's a great example. She's kind of this one-note comic relief. Uh, and then you see her here, and she's a doctor. And yeah. it's like, whoa, good for, good for you, you know? Like, this is a nice little thing. Um, but, yeah, you get a lot of explanation here about, like, what happened? Why did Wanda freak out on Geraldine in quotation marks? Well, I mean, this whole thing is from the perspective, the whole thing is from the perspective of everybody else, except for Wanda. Right. Mm -hmm. You know, um, the, the thing that I found really interesting, the way this started was, and it's what, you know, Britt and I have talked about. It's like, what happened when, um, when the Hulk, you know, snapped everybody back. It's like, right. you know, th just the chaos that was going on in this hospital, you know, people who were suddenly reappearing and Monica Rambeau is one of them. And they're not knowing that, you know, what five years, five years, five years have years. passed. Um, and, you know, we're also talking what happened people who are on an, you know, on a airplane and Thanos snaps them out, you know, did that airplane crash? And so did it or did the airplane disappear as well? Did all the people on the airplane disappear? Did they fall to their death? You know, there's all these things that make you think what happened. And it was, it's not like this happy end game makes it seem happy. Like here's everybody is back. Yay. But it was like, this was a traumatic, just probably as much of a traumatic event as the original dusting. One of the interests, yeah. And actually what it reminded me of, I don't know if you ever got a chance to see the Daredevil Netflix series. Uh, Aaron, no. But one of the things that it did, particularly in its first season, it tied itself, it tied uh, the underground mob dealings to the contracts for repairing New York after the Battle of Avengers One. It's, it's really it's an interesting thing because you know it's all these subcontractors and contractors and all these companies and they're all you know there's reasons there's obviously comic book reasons why some of these people are involved, particularly when you involve. You know, organizations like the hand but what's intriguing is that they took something that happened in the an mcu movie and used it as a springboard for well how come the kingpin is able to all of a sudden uh it's it's the one who's distributing all these contracts and is wielding all this power you know in many ways similar to how a mafia boss would in a real life world world and i think that's something that uh, one division kind of takes on here it's we're gonna put you on the ground in this moment that we didn't get to see. I mean, because Endgame, you see the snap, and next thing you know, phones are ringing, or people are getting calls from loved ones who got snapped away. But this is the first time we actually get to see the act of somebody coming back and getting put in that moment. So it's understandable that, uh, I mean, it's, like, again, it's almost like a horror movie. It's very much shocking and disturbing, even though it's supposed to be a good moment. So it was, think, the, it, I'm sorry, Dave, go ahead. 
Yeah, well, you know, you paint yourself into a corner. We always talk about this. You make a storytelling choice, and then it sort of dictates where you're going to go from there. And it's like when they decided, we're going to do this snap because we want to have that moment occur in our movie where, where Thanos wins. And then we have to uh, figure out a way to kind of undo it without undoing it. You know, like a way to sort of let the heroes feel like they've emerged victorious in the, in the sequel, but not just let them skate through consequence free, basically. And so, like, it made sense. Like, Endgame was a three-hour movie as it was. There's no way they were going to tackle all of this stuff. Like, what are the actual theoretical, you know, right. concerns and logistics here? It's like, there's no way they, they didn't have time to do all that. So it's like, it's kind of heartening that they're not just going to ignore that. It's like, in a very similar way, if you think back to um, Civil War, Civil War was very much a reaction to what happened in Ultron. It's like, well, what happens if you destroy a town and people die and, you know, our, you know, and superheroes exist in our world? You know, like, what what if? What if, what if, what if? But, you know, here are the answers. It's kind of funny. My, my brother and I always laugh about, you know, superhero movies. It's like, it's no wonder our insurance rates are so high. Because <laughs> every time a superhero <laughs> fights a supervillain, it's like property damage is through the roof. State Farm makes so much money. Um mm-hmm. But this episode, we figure out in the previous episode when Wanda finds the toy helicopter with the sword logo, well, that was a sword drone that when it went through the static got turned into 1960s looking stuff. Instead of a Mm -hmm. fancy, you know, 21st century drone, it turns into a toy helicopter. Um, The beekeeper that we saw in the first episode? No, Uh, second. second episode. Uh, the beekeeper we find out was a a sword agent in a hazmat suit who went through the he was going through the sewers trying to they're trying to get through the the field and when he went through the field he his hazmat suit turned into a beekeeper costume because that fit within the 1960s um you know theme motif right uh, so yeah i mean this was a very this was all again from everybody else's point of view other than Wanda's. So, um, and I think, and I'll say, I think it was a necessary episode. You've, you've now, cause you've done three episodes and you've set up all these questions. So now you needed to kind of reframe it in a different way. And this is the episode that allows you because you bring in Darcy, you bring in Jimmy, you kind of explore the idea of, okay, there's me with the fact when they, when Jimmy pulls up and the state sheriffs are like, no, no, it's Monica pulls up and Jimmy's there and they're being all the sheriffs are like, there's no such thing as Westview, New Jersey. You're like, there's a sign right there. And I don't know what you're talking Dude, about. Dude, it's right so, behind you. Yeah, exactly. But uh, but and it, it's played somewhat for last, but it's also the idea of there's something going on here. We've seen it from one perspective, the perspective of Wanda and Division. Now we're looking at it from a different angle and we can see that it's not just in their head, so to speak. It's actually something's going on. Now, the, 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 the oh crap moment for this episode was when Wanda turns around and it's dead vision with the, the mind the stone hole in, his head. Out in the hole in his head and his eyes are, it's the way he looked, like I said, in, at the end of Infinity War. Um, so that was creepy as all get out. Um, but we're also starting to see now at this point that 
a hexagon is very important. And maybe we'll talk about what maybe, why is the hexagon important? Um, so that was episode four. Episode five, we're back. Now we're in the 80s and we're back in the TV show, really. Um, so in a 1980s setting, Wanda and Vision struggle to stop Tommy and Billy, their kids, from crying. Agnes offers to help look after the boys, but Vision questions her behavior. He and Wanda are interrupted when Tommy and Billy suddenly age up to five years old. When a dog appears in their house, the boys ask to keep it, and Agnes suggests the name Sparky. Wanda almost, re- which by the way, Sparky was Vision's dog in the comic books. That was kind of funny. Um, Wanda almost reveals her abilities to Agnes, and this concerns Vision, while the boys age up again to 10 years old. At work, Vision reads an email from S.W.O.R.D. that reveals the situation in Westview. Uh, he breaks through the real Westview resident. Uh, he breaks through to a real Westview resident and discovers that Wanda is seemingly controlling the town. I'm going to pause for a second. That's debatable because the dude that he gets into her brain, he just says she. He just used the pronoun game. Wanda's name is never mentioned. Mm-hmm. Anyway, Sword sends a drone from the 80s in. Uh, from the 80s into Westview and attempts to kill Wanda on Hayward's orders. Wanda emerges from the static field with the drone and warns Hayward to leave her alone. Uh, Scared by the drone, Sparky runs away and later dies. Um, Yeah, the dog dies in the episode. That's just awful. Um, Vision confronts Wanda about her actions, but they're interrupted when uh, Pietro arrives. Watching the broadcast, Darcy notes that Pietro has been recast. Not just any Pietro either. It's the one from uh, from X Men, right? That's right. He's, that's uh, Evan Peters who played Quicksilver in Days of Future Past and uh, Apocalypse. So yeah. So like I said, first of all, I want I do want to point out that um, the dude that Vision gets in the brain, he never says Wanda's name. Says she it just uses the pronoun she. Um, uh, the other thing that was interesting is that when Wanda breaks through the, the static wall, um, her Sokovian accent comes back. She's, you know, she sounds like my, you know, my conducting professor who is from Transylvania. Um, and, uh, I mean, every other time she's got this thick American, you know, sitcom accent. So, um, I don't know. Can I address this, that? What's yeah? Go for it. With the accent thing, like, <laughs> um, my wife is fond of saying that her southern only comes out when she's mad. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, uh, and Wanda was very mad in that moment. Um, but yeah, the uh, and yeah, the appearance of her brother, especially because the kids say, um tells tells mom to stop death Mm -hmm. and she's saying this is when wanda's saying you can't stop death which then it's interesting because vision's alive so and so when vision and also when vision confronts her if i was really kind of interesting when vision confronts her towards the end of the episode she tries to run credits to um you know to just kill the conversation which is an aside that would, that would be a great superpower for finish for ending uh, uh arguments before they start yeah no kidding 
now the by the way the commercial during this program it advertises lagos paper towels for cleaning up a mess you didn't mean to create i think is what the tagline mm. was and lagos is um the the town where she um inadvertently killed a lot of civilians um that was civil during war. winter civil war or winter mm-hmm. civil war yeah okay. beginning of civil war now all right so let's okay so let's talk about uh real quickly uh we'll come to the cameo at the end here um but let's talk about these commercials dave what is what is your thought on all these commercials and see if it lines up with what i've been hearing and what i'm wondering too well the thing that's really interesting about all of them is that they all sort of line up with trauma that she has experienced um and again it's it's hard to like sort of extrapolate where it where they may take that whether it's simply um a commentary that she has suffered um but like if you think about it like well what do all these commercials have to do with one another you, you just go down the list you know the stark industries well that was uh in ultron that was her connection with ultron originally and why they sided against stark was because that was the trauma from her uh youth which was a stark missile had you know by the come way the, the, the drone in the very last episode they tried to kill her with um was had stark industries written on it right <laughs> anyway keep going yeah no that's that's a fun little detail but then strucker uh was the you know the as you said was the individual who experimented on her um and you know did all of these experiments and sort of recruited her into this um semi-nefarious uh uh, organization which was hydra which was the next one um and then you end up with lagos which is where like this hugely influential um trauma occurred for her which was just like this was not it stayed with her that the fact that she was trying to help but she ended up harming people it was it was a thing that really stayed with her and it was why i think ultimately she sort of sided with steve at the end of uh that movie so here's the here's the other thing and uh, yeah that's agree with you 100 here's a theory that i was reading online that each one of these commercials align to an infinity stone um, through the various, the colors that they're using. Uh, the first one, I think the toaster, there's like a little color of red, um, uh, which I can't remember. I think, I'm thinking that I think of what the, the power stone. Anyway, um, you have the Strucker watch, the time, time stone. Hydra soak could be, you know, the, uh, the soul stone, um, you have, uh, what was the last one? Lagos, you know, with the red color that was in there, you know, the reality, the reality stone. Yeah. So, um, there, it seems like they're linking these, you know, I, I think that's kind of interesting as well. An interesting thing to, to think about. Um, but yeah, they're all they're all linked to to her trauma, absolutely. But I think it's also kind of interesting. Maybe it is linked to the Infinity Stone somehow. Um, so, all right. So now that we've got through all those five episodes, um, first of all, are you feeling better than after seeing the first episode of where this 
is going. I will say personally, um, now I'm back to Fridays. I can't be on Twitter because <laughs> people are wanting to spoil what happened on WandaVision. Um, you know, this is so my wife and I are very much like our Mandalorian routine now where it's like Friday after work, we watch WandaVision. Um, cause yeah, they've got me hooked after the first two episodes. I was like, this better go somewhere. Or I'm going to be really ticked off. And now I'm like, yeah, I'm locked in. They got me. I don't know. You guys did anything. Are you invested now? Yeah, I think so. Uh, it's, it's, it's understandable. I mean, this is where, you know, the idea of getting the entire season all at once versus getting it weekly has, you know, voices on different sides. Cause I wonder if, you know, in some instances people would have been less, dubious about the state of the show if they'd gotten it all in one fell swoop you know but then i also wonder if people would have stuck with it no matter what i think that what's what's interesting is by the fact that it gets released weekly now and particularly the last couple of weeks every time you yeah you're right you wake up in the morning you look on twitter everybody's talking about it i mean last week's big final moment when pietro turns up and it's peter from x-men you know like you could just see, you could just click on that one division hashtag, and everybody's just raving about it. They lost their minds about it. So it tells you that it's connected with with the, with the audience. So uh, yeah, it's it's done a good job of taking us where we were not sure what it was to now we're like, give me more, give me more, give me more. So Dave, what do you what do you think's going on here? I mean, is what is what is Wanda doing? What is your thoughts so far? What is like I said, what was going on? What is this all about? Well, I can say, like, coming into this thing, I was I had high hopes. I, I think a lot of people saw some of the trailers and they just thought, well, that looks weird. That was me. <laughs> that, was me. that was me. That was me. And, like, I'm like, okay, so a little bit of familiarity with the comics is actually helpful in this case because – her, her story with Vision is not a happy story. And I want to pause you there for a second because I will warn anybody who hasn't seen this. If you haven't seen any Marvel stuff, if you haven't, I haven't read the comic books, but I've done a little bit of research since watching this, just trying to figure out what's going on. This is not the entry point for, for the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Would you guys agree? I would agree. This is, yeah, this no. is diving into the deep end with you know not a lot of water down there and a couple piranhas anyway go ahead dave well i'll circle back to age of ultron again which is like such an important movie within the context of this entire show and it's like you watch that movie at the time and if you had any kind of understanding that uh scarlet witch and vision would eventually pair up and marry and have a relationship and kids and everything else uh it for those little moments in that movie, there were little winking moments where it's like, he would rescue her. She would look at him a certain way, you know, and they're kind of like laying this groundwork all the way back in that movie. And you're thinking, are they going to pay all that off? I have no idea, but they have the option of paying it off later. And I think like, that's what Marvel does so amazingly, which is like, I don't have to pay all this off necessarily but I'm going to give myself the option to do it. And so coming into this series, you know, I think like having an understanding 
this woman loses her mind. I mean, in the comic, she she loses her mind. She straight loses her mind. Her kids aren't real. It's all fabricated. And she kind of makes a deal with the devil kind of a situation. Her kids mostly don't exist, but sort of do in a sort of, you know, philosophical way. Um, you're setting up so much here. Like, this is all very heady stuff for Disney to be doing. I never really thought, like, they were, I was like, are they going to go there? You know, we always, we ask ourselves that. Will they go there? Or will they really go there? And it's so gratifying to see because, yeah, I don't necessarily like want to sit here and say, oh, I really need to see somebody lose their mind on television. That's what I need in my life. But if you know the story already and you're already familiar with the principles, for them to actually be paying it off and arguably paying it off in a much more nuanced, realistic, affecting way than the comics ever did because you know how comics can be they're very you know kind of outlandish and um superficial at times and you know like well soap opera e <laughs> on or, this episode you know we're doing this you know um they're they're do they're doing it justice they're doing the original stories here justice in and again, I think what it comes from is this willingness to reference the source material, but not being a slave to it. Yeah, and I think one of the interesting dynamics is because for those who have only ever seen Wanda from the MCU, they have no idea that she's a mutant, that she and Peter Quicksilver were the son and daughter of Magneto. That that's that her power level is such that she can literally create an alternate reality. That's that's all the stuff that's kind of it's in her background. It's in her the DNA of her character, but it's not been mentioned yet in the MCU. So that's kind of when the idea of bringing up uh, Peter from the X Men movies kind of goes like, okay, all right, how are we gonna try to bring bridge that together? So that that's gonna, that was gonna be my question, Fredo. Then to you was mm -hmm. why is you know, well, first of all, it's big enough that her brother comes back at the end. Mm -hmm. But why is it such a big whoop-de-doo that it is the actor uh -huh. from X-Men? Because it's acknowledging that aspect of it. And it also could be the first introduction. It is the first introduction of the X-Men into the MCU. To kind of go but, back, but to I'm, sorry, I'm, I'm sorry, I'm going to interrupt you though here, real quick. But you know, it's kind of like what we've talked about with Force Ghosts, where it's like mm -hmm. you know, it makes no sense for Ewan McGregor to show himself to Luke Skywalker because Luke didn't know Obi Wan at that stage. You know, Wanda knew from from in the MCU universe, uh, mm -hmm. in the MCU, Wanda's reference for her brother was the dude who played Quicksilver in. Uh, in Ultron, Ultron. Right. and so for in this episode why did they choose to have a different physical representation I'm sure it is not because the dude from Ultron didn't have anything he, that he was booked and couldn't do it there's a reason why that image has changed it would be like if you have a ghost visit you you know a family member what is it going to be grandma as you knew her you know growing up or 
what grandma looked like when she was 25. You know what I mean? Um, so mm -hmm. I guess that's what I'm getting at here. Why? Yeah, no. Why is it that they go? I mean, it's by design, clearly, because you could have cast uh, Aaron Taylor Johnson to come back and play Quicksilver. He could have done it, not a problem. This was a choice, an obvious, you know, concerted design choice that they made. The reasons why it could be as big as, oh, no, we're going to throw all this. Or it could also be as big as something that uh, is going to come down the pipeline, which is uh, the multiverse. Uh, we know that Doctor Strange will get into that in his next movie. So the idea of... And apparently she is, she is in that movie as well, yeah? Using her to introduce the concept of multiple alternate realities. One where that is her brother and one where her brother that she knows died in the Battle of uh, Sokovia. So now they might be merging. And that gets back to, again, what Dave's point was regarding her power and her abilities and how we're only getting beginning to get that grasp of that. I mean, one of the best moments in that fifth episode was when she kind of went all, to borrow the Star Wars phrase, you know, kind of went all dark side Sith on, on the Sword Age uh, head and just used her powers, wiped the minds of all the agents, flicked their wrists, and all of a sudden, all their guns traced on their boss. Yeah. And that was just a cool, whoa, what the heck moment, because it was epic. Uh, I also, the other thing that kind of bumped into my head, and I kind of have not gotten away from it is, and maybe this is just me, and maybe it's because, again, you got to think this stuff when you think of comic books, because everything, you know, there's other issues that always connect to one another, is the character of Agnes. And I guess start with here. Wanda's telling Vision that she doesn't know what she's doing. Now, some of that may be trauma-related. I mean, she's clearly walked into S.W.O.R.D.'s headquarters, grabbed the remains of Vision, brought him here. But as far as we know, she doesn't have the power to reanimate the dead back from life. Which, by the she way, that's what that's what I saw that almost spoiled me on Friday was that, you know, I saw Kevin Feige was trending and that they apparently used footage from the uh, from a post credit scene from Endgame for that Wanda going in and taking Vision's corpse. But anyway, keep going. Yeah, yeah. But so the idea of you know the fact that she tells the boys, you know, her two sons, no, I can't bring in the dead back to life. I can't bring Sparky back to life. Yet Vision's walking around makes you wonder. Okay, and then she's flat out crying her eyes out, saying, "This isn't me." leads me to believe that while she she may be getting manipulated and then i go well who has the power to manipulate her and make it appear like visions back from the dead and all this other stuff which brings me to agnes and makes me think that that's loki that's interesting because we know that loki's coming you know he's got a he's got his own series coming down there is a female version of loki called lady loki you know in the comics from when he's kind of swapped genders because again Got his mischief, he can take on any shape. So if he's somebody, and that gets to the point that you say about the commercials and the infinity stones. If you're somebody, I mean, the last time we saw Loki, we saw him with the Tesseract getting away. He could very well be looking to ask, you know, to get manipulate Wanda into punching holes into the multiverse to try to get the infinity stones back for himself. And the crackles island. <laughs> I, you know, I circle br briefly back to multiverse and before we start getting into some more theories here, mm -hmm. I think that's clearly where we're going. And like, that's the bigger point. The, the X-Men tie-in is like such a nice thing for fans because 
Again, for people who aren't aware, 20th Century Fox held the rights to all the X-Men characters. Disney didn't have the rights to any of that. And and, and so Fox, yeah. And so they've now they're now under the same umbrella. Um Disney bought out Fox and so now the speculation has been when are the Fantastic 4 going to show up? When are the X-Men going to show up? And this is the first nod other than you know an a um an announcement that a fantastic four project is actually in development uh other than that this is the first i guess on camera nod to the fact that they own those characters now and like so that's super exciting right i just think that that that's kind of a misdirect in 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 what we're dealing with right now i think the bigger story is that it's it's about the multiverse and you if you look at the next projects that are coming up not just doctor strange the the new spider-man film is going to be dealing with by all these casting rumors it's going to be dealing with the toby mcguire spider-man universe it's going to be using doing with the andrew garfield spider-man universe uh, as well as you know the newly established Marvel one, so um, things are going to go you know crazy sideways here very shortly, and it's it remains to be seen how much of it you can sort of pin on Wanda, uh, and how much of it is beyond even her control. Um, all right, I I got I, I have two things. Um, the first one should be a little bit quicker. Uh, so Elizabeth Olsen said that she talked about a cameo that is coming. This is actually before ep- the fifth episode dropped about a cameo that is coming that she can't wait for people to see that rivals Luke Skywalker in the Mandalorian. Mm-hmm. Was this cameo in episode five, what she's talking about in your mind? What, first, and, I thought it was, and, it, and until I told you what the rumor that I heard um, was. Oh, yeah, and that that one would maybe go. Whoa, that's what I'm saying. Is that is the dude from X Men on par with Luke Skywalker showing up in the Mandalorian to the MCU fan? Maybe we need maybe we need Scott Colesby on this right now to tell us. Um, no, I, because here's the thing. Again, it's not only his character, but it's what he means. It's what he brings. He signifies the X-Men are coming. And trust me, for Marvel fans, the idea of seeing the X-Men finally in the MCU is something they can't wait to. They can't wait to see Wolverine battle the Hulk. Now, uh, Dave, did you think this cameo is what she was talking about? I think so, because of the timing of it. You know, it... She says this is basically a day before the new episode drops. I think she knew the next episode was coming, and so that's why she said it when she did. Well, uh, and the rumor I heard, and if you don't want to hear this rumor, everybody, just uh, fast forward about you know a minute or so. Um, can you fast forward a podcast? Sure. Um, uh, Serene McKellen, Magneto. That would, I mean, that would probably be on par with a luke skywalker but uh and would make sense since he's her daddy so and it makes sense kind of like i said it's it's what's interesting mcu wanda and mcu pietro got their powers from strucker 
and his uh, experimentation. X-Men, uh, Wanda and Peter, got theirs because they were mutants, children of Magneto. So it does bring up the point of if we see Magneto in this, will she recognize him as her dad or will she think, who's this old dude? So my, my other, my other question was, cause one of you, I think Dave is you, um, when, when, uh, it was the episode where Agnes and, oh, the other neighbor were gossiping and he was accidentally cutting through the wall and stuff like that. Um, uh, one of you said you had a theory about that or maybe about the people in town. What, who was it that said that? I don't know if it was me on that, on the specifically with the wall thing, but I can say, um, we're kind of at a point now where most of the most of the participants in this fantasy aren't aware of, or at least aren't in control of their own actions within this. You know, it's essentially a giant play. Uh, it's a TV show. Um, they don't have any sort of control, as we saw with Vision and his co-worker on this this week's episode so it's like well who actually has been able to cut through the fog and sort of act independently so far um it's agnes uh his neighbor um yeah i'm blanking on his name at this point but um and then the girl uh the 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 woman who Sliced her hand open and bled all over the Dottie, place. Dottie, yeah. Yeah. Um, and they're the ones who are, those are the three players right now who are sort of unaccounted for in terms of like, who are they really? Yeah. What is their role here? Um, because uh, everybody else is sort of a pawn. <laughs> um, with Dottie, I have a theory because of the blood thing that. Uh, she's a member of S.W.O.R.D. in some capacity because you see the color bleed on screen with the helicopter earlier in that episode, and it was a S.W.O.R.D. drone. Um, and I think, like, it's a similar tell with her and with her hand um, that she's with S.W.O.R.D. in some capacity. Um I've, I've seen it speculated. I was talking with a friend of mine about this, and, and, and he, he talked about how, like, what if this all sort of ties in with what they were doing with Vision, which is what we see this footage of Wanda breaking into this facility and, and grabbing his body, essentially, right? Um, we don't see what prompted that. And it's very much a, are we getting the whole complete picture scenario with that? I, I wondering if maybe we aren't getting the whole picture. Are they experimenting uh, with vision and trying to develop AI um, because they had access to this body and she's reacting to that. And that's what set her over the edge. And like, if you think about it in those terms, then you can go in some some crazy directions with this. It's like, have they already achieved AI in some respect? Have they already do they already have uh, AI running around right now? Would you know Dottie be you know a drone of some kind or an android of some kind? You know, so there's a lot like you can 
you can go down a well right now <laughs> and it's fun but this is this is my point when i said like it's fun that, that they that this stuff comes out you know a week at a time because it's like now i have a whole week to speculate and go back and, and read some of my you know old comics and look at some of the old movies and um so i just sort of immerse myself in it is, is this series more than you expected i mean it's it, it it seems to be it i mean i'm again i'm just a novice it, it but it's a, a lot more than what i expected um but as you know big fan are, is it more than what you or guys were expecting fredo I, I think it was i mean i think it was i mean put it this way in some way i always suspected because of wanda's reality altering powers that that may be playing into the equation when once they kind of revealed the show for what it was uh, particularly, I mean, you, you, you always think of what's the one thing that travels that America's imported everywhere. It's, it's media. So, you know, you know, you can be in Italy and watch Happy Days. You can be in Tokyo and watch the Jeffersons. You can watch uh, any kind of show, Beverly Hills 90210 in Chile. So you grew up around television, you know, you know, you're going to, it could be playing into Wanda's understanding of, of American society in a way. But, but even just that, I think it's going even deeper and more complex than I thought um, it would, they were going to get into. And I, and I appreciate that. I appreciate that they are given characters who, for this moment, have been secondary and even tertiary with characters like Jamie and Darcy. The room and the opportunity to kind of breathe and show off and kind of tell their stories, it's always a good thing. You know, on a smaller note, um, I, I've been, I've been so surprised, like pleasantly surprised with this series because it's been even better than I expected. Again, there are so many things that I thought they could do, but I, did I expect that? Not really. When they announced Evan Peters, I was like, "Well, that's a coincidence." Evan Peters played Quicksilver in the X Men franchise. I'm, I'm wondering if they have the stones to. Uh, to uh, introduce him as Pietro in this story. And, you know, sure enough, and it's like, kind of dismissed the idea, you know, pretty quickly. And as it turns out, they do it, you know? Um, I, I just, I couldn't have more respect for Kevin Feige at this point because, like, he has the creative license to make interesting, daring choices. And he continues to do it. Yeah, and I was uh, when you know, I was reading some of the uh, information on the creation of the show, and it's it's interesting because it's Kim, it's Feige's love of sitcoms that's kind of births the the notion of how this show is going to be framed. So that's all we're getting a fifty sitcom, a Leave It to Beaver, a six uh, sixty sitcom, a seventies, an eighty. Look, the eighty sitcom was that what sitcom was that supposed to be emulating? It was a combination of the uh, family ties and uh, growing pains. Okay, okay, that's the thing. That's the other thing. I kind of go like, okay, which one are you supposed to be like? Because you can kind of tell them, you know, some are copying one another, but you know, I wonder what the nineties one's going to be. Well, it's going to be Fresh Prince or Family Matters or what? Friends. Um, so any, anything else that we've left off, uh, in these first five episodes, um, 
I, I mean, off the top of my head, I think, let's see. It's interesting, you know, that I, I'm, always, I'm always kind of fascinated when they have those fourth wall break the break the uh, immersion elements. Like when Agnes in episode five is like, do you want me to take it back? Yeah, she became like an actor, right? And uh, Exactly. And Or when Wanda rewinds, you know, because Vision, you know, started to figure things out, if you will. The other thing mm-hmm. that I think is kind of interesting, I, 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 um, somebody mentioned this, and it really does make it, Wanda and Vision both are creations, if you will, of the Mind Stone. Mm-hmm. And so, are they actually not connected, as in, you know, as in like you know? soulmates if you will but are they two halves of the same coin they have very similar powers you know but you know like i said are they are they two halves of the same coin so um is when vision breaks down it's not vision but it's wanda you know seeing reality for what it is and then going back to her you know made up leave it to beaver you know thing um, but like I said, just the fact that they are, but even if you get into just even the movies, like I said, they are, they're, they're created from the same infinity stone. So I find that is a really interesting connection between those two. There's a lot of really weird connections, uh, between these, a lot of these characters and like, that's the nature of the comics. This is like, you know, over time I, I, I have to write, you know, 400 issues on this character it's like oh i'm actually you know so-and-so's butler from back in the day you know like things like that it's just it gets you if you really try to dive into it you can you can come up with these bizarre connections but i know that there's a lot of speculation about a few things so i did want to address that hit him agnes a lot of people think that she might be agatha harkness um, who was sort of Wanda's mentor yeah. in the comics and would not be particularly um, good for her mental well-being uh, as a character here right now. Um, likewise, um, a lot of people, when Evan Peters joined the cast, uh, said that he would be playing Mephisto uh, rather than Quicksilver. Um, so it's very possible that he's just sort of appearing as Quicksilver here and that he's actually Mephisto. And it's really sort of, he's the devil, essentially. Um, which is heady stuff for like a Marvel property. We'll say we're at the point now where we're going to literally manifest the devil on screen. You know, like, can you imagine that? Like when we saw Iron Man for the first time and it's like, no right (laughs) this is very real world stuff and now it's like we're all just going along with oh yeah of course it's the devil you know um but that that might actually be where we're headed and again after dr strange i this is dr strange for me was sort of like the litmus test like once you achieve that it's like okay you can do anything now pretty much because you got a freaking Dormammu and all these alternate worlds and yeah. everything. And everybody just went along with it. It's like, okay, 
So, yeah, go yeah, ahead. No, I was going to say, and in some ways, you always got to remember that we're talking comic book creations from the 60s, 70s, 80s. I mean, there's comics are weird. Comics are weird. And uh, created by all kinds of uh, weird out there people. And people know, like Doctor Strange is from the mind of Steve Ditko and the dude was out there. Uh, and that doesn't get into stuff, some of the stuff that uh, Chris Claremont did for the X-Men. So uh, it's interesting, you're right, because once you let the door in for Doctor Strange and all the elements that he brings, you know, you can do everything. You can, you can have some of those uh, celestial beings that we're going to see in the, some of the movies coming up and elements like the Mandarin, the Ten Rings, all of a sudden don't seem that far-fetched, whereas in 2008, you couldn't have done them, so gonna be interesting what they do next and then the quantum realm kind of like you know this sort of mystical thing with like the different you know dimensions you can get to through the quantum realm and like um they're gonna open that up open that door up to kang the conqueror Mm -hmm. when they cast kang the conqueror at this point so it's like gosh you know all this stuff they're masters at this they're gonna i'm gonna tie this movie into this show which is gonna tie into this and i'm gonna get everybody to watch it and get really agitated and excited and there we go but one last thing that i wanted to bring up too um we had ram in this um i don't know if it was the fifth episode or this fourth episode you had what she froze up you froze up there you had what Oh, I'm sorry. Rambo at one point says, I'm going to call my friend. Oh, yeah. yeah. Uh, engineer, uh, what, an aerospace engineer, right? Is... Mm-hmm. And we have Fantastic Four coming up. And we have a potential Reed Richards crossover with that. I want to throw that out there. And it's, you know, might happen by the way uh yeah i and I'd, I'd read that as well the other thing that was interesting about when she it's at that same time she mentioned you know my my friend the engineer um it was funny because darcy and jimmy were talking about well first of all the you know um wanda could have taken down thanos if it you know if she didn't if he didn't like you know launch a blitz and jimmy said well i think that captain marvel would have something to say about that and Monica was visibly. Mm-hmm. I don't want to talk about about Her. Captain Marvel. So something's up there. Um, and uh, I and I also saw. I, I haven't seen the Spider Man movies yet. Sorry that they're not on any streaming service. Uh, but uh, there's a post credit scene apparent or or a scene in there that where Nick Fury is even you know kind of down the mouth about uh, Captain Marvel. Yeah. Well, what's interesting, the the well, I don't know if that was trying to remember because the 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 post credit scene in, at the end of Spider Man Far From Home is uh, Nick Fury's out in space with the Skrulls. Yeah. So you're like, wait a minute, what the hell? That you know, you gets revealed that the Skrull from uh, Ben Mendelsohn played in Captain Marvel One has been pretend walking around pretending to be Nick Fury, but apparently he's doing it on his behest. So, yeah. So there's I mean, there's a lot of stuff in this series. It is not what they really they they kind of pitched it as it was, it was looking like Wanda and Vision playing Leave It to Beaver. Um, mm-hmm. But it is 
and again, I, it is not your entry point for, you know, this, this is, you have to do some of the summer reading and you got to, um, you know, do some legwork to understand what's going on. Cause otherwise I don't think it's a necessarily a show that like my dad would sit down and like enjoy, you know what I mean? Without having seeing any of the Marvel movies. Um, so, you know, I constantly say that when I critique them, you know, it's like, oh, you know, I wouldn't watch Endgame first, you know, because logically you wouldn't want to do that. You would get so much less out of the story. But then I then I hear people that are like, well, I didn't see any of the other movies, but I watched Endgame and it was great. So I guess you never know. But yeah, like. Honestly, if you've if you've listened this far and you really haven't taken the plunge yet with any of the Marvel stuff, that yeah, just start at the beginning. Yeah, start with Iron Man. Do do the, do the work like I did. Um, I mean, and it's easy to do. That's the other thing. Ninety nine percent of it is on Disney Plus. Yeah, you can just spend on next uh, holiday weekend just and binging. Dave, you brought up a really good point. This is really interesting. Just on a on a tangent to all this is that Disney not being just the mickey mouse club anymore you know even mandalorian you know kind of pushed a little bit on the violence and gore we've talked about it but this is really i mean i i could see some of this wandavision stuff giving your kids nightmares i mean just seeing dead vision with the hole in his head or you know like i said the crap they killed the dog off in the in the episode i mean there's a lot of things that um like i said hats off to disney for not making this all just like i said saturday afternoon you know watching some cartoons um mm -hmm. so that's impressive as well well all right i think we've exhausted our our uh, uh conversation on at least the first five episodes of wandavision uh we'll talk about more in coming episodes maybe not the entire episode but we'll just maybe have to make this kind of a what happened on wandavision this past week um uh, so yeah, if you're in the new Orleans area, obviously there's not going to be nothing to do this, uh, coming weekend. So yeah. no place for you to go. Might as well not do anything. Just, uh, go to total wine stock up and, you know, have your just, I, so this is kind of funny. I was telling somebody this when, back when I was a kid, it was, I remember it was 4th of July and it was just pouring rain. And so we had all these fireworks that couldn't light off any fireworks or whatever. And our neighbor was sitting across the street in his garage in a lawn chair and just lighting lady fingers and throwing them out onto the driveway. So like, bang, bang. It's like, that's what Mardi Gras is going to be like this year. <laughs> We're just going to be sitting on our porch, you know, drinking a beer and just, you know, watching the world go by. But uh, at least we'll be healthy. So. Yeah, it's it's interesting because I've had the Mardi Gras where you know the weather doesn't cooperate, and weirdly enough, I don't think the weather was it's gonna was meant to cooperate. No, this year. not this year, man. It's gonna be sucky. <laughs> it would have been awful to be standing outside in the cold rain, uh, waiting for floats to come by. Uh, so there's Mardi Gras where I've been like, okay, we're just chilling at home. That's it. That's what we're doing, and that's valid. That's a valid Mardi Gras. Whole point is to do what you want to do, and we'll, if that means doing nothing, hey, that's all right. But everybody quit doing stupid stuff so that we can all do stupid stuff together in a healthy way, you know. So, um, mm -hmm. 
But with that, anything for the good of the order before we sign off? Oh, obviously you can find our pod. Tell your friends that they can find our podcast uh, about anywhere you can get podcasts. Um, you know, hit us up on Twitter, Facebook, whatever. If you want to talk about what you think about WandaVision or Star Wars or anything like that, just anything nerdy, hit us up. You know, we all need a diversion from time to time. Um, but other than that, I think we will just say who dat. Who dat? Who dat? Thank you, Drew Brees, for freeing up $29 million or whatever it was. <laughs> yeah. Until then, we will see you next week. Have a good week. Stay healthy. Bye. Bye. Thank you.